You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. If you bet that Don't Stop the Music would be the first song played on the Friday edition of Hockey Central on Sports at 960, congratulations. You just won your prop bet. Thank you to producer Cam and Taylor for making that happen. I was listening to Sportsnet today before we came on live and obviously heard the Super Bowl prop bet conversation with Cam and Taylor and Logan, and we're going to bring Logan in now. Cam and Taylor can join in if they want to. And I am about to spend so much money (laughs) on Rihanna prop bets. Also, we just got a note in the text line, DJ Powerplay spin in the tunes. Pat Steinberg is not in the building at the moment. No. But we can come up with a nickname for Cam. Smash Whatever it is, I'm sure it'll be a good Don't Stop the Music. DJ Subaru. Starting this show. <laughs> DJ Subaru. That's right. I can't wait. I don't bet on the football game. I bet on the anthem singer, the halftime show, and the Gatorade color. Thoughts? Uh, that's. I think that's the way to go. <laughs> Those are way funner than the game ones anyways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What so, do we think? Is it going to be Don't Stop the Music? No. Or is it going to be something? You think it's going to be like Umbrella? It, no. Cam was yes. on Umbrella. No, stop this. I think it's actually going to be something from Auntie, like one of her songs that just has like a really cool intro beat. You can't come in with Umbrella. Be... You can't hit that hard to start. You have to build it up. It'll be from her Auntie record, I think. I think that was so. really well produced and kind of funky. We'll set the mood, and then she'll do something else. Yeah, I'm with that too. I I, I like Umbrella. Umbrella, I think I saw a couple places is the favorite to be her last song. Right. And I could see that because that would be a pretty awesome way to finish everything. But I think you, that's too hard to start. I think you have to you have to come in a little softer. I want to put money on her singing "Love on the Brain." Because that's one of her best, like, vocal songs. Yeah. She sings that beautifully. She should flex on everyone with a little bit of that. I'm excited. Obviously. I think it's going to be great. She's awesome. And to put her on, like, a massive stage like that, you know she's going to bring it. And it's a big comeback, too. We haven't heard from Rihanna in terms of her music in a while. No. It's great. The I'm excited. are going to go crazy on Spotify and everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I went rogue on my previous plan here. Welcome into Hockey Central. <laughs> You're on sports at 960. That one guy that because always texts Super Bowl in weekend. hates when you talk about things that aren't hockey is going to be when I talk so about myself. pissed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. When anyone ever says, hey, Haley, how are you? The guy's like, she's not even talking hockey, guys. Come on. Just talk some <laughs> okay. hockey, Haley. Why don't you just get I've to the hockey? I've got to stay on track. Yeah. I've got to stay on track because, yeah, there's... There's some great stuff, important things to talk about. Uh, if you listen to yesterday's show, you already know how the game would have went down last <laughs> night between the Calgary Flames and the Detroit Red Wings. Matt Boltman, Max Boltman, not Matt, Jesus, told everyone it was me to one hockey game. And he said it was going to be low scoring, low event. Uh, Calgary Flames lose 2-1 to the Detroit Red Wings last night. Um, a low scoring game against a Detroit team that plays with a solid defensive structure and they really try to keep their opponents to the perimeter. The Flames had a lot of chances, 
Like they heavily outchanced the Red Wings at five on five last night. The shot attempts were 51 to 23. So more than double the attempts at five on five. The shots on goal at five on five, 29 to seven. But Detroit had more high danger chances than the Calgary Flames. And they weren't particularly high either. It was six to five. So not a ton of high danger inside the slot chances last night from either team, but the Red Wings had more. Like, we've seen this before, and we've seen it often this year. Like, that wasn't anything particularly shocking that you saw last night. Was their logo? No, it was kind of, you know, rinse and repeat for a lot of Flames games. You outshot the opponent heavily, but as far as those high-danger chances, those ones right in that home plate around uh, the grease, they just were non-existent. The one goal they get comes from somebody going to the net and creating an opportunity with Blake Coleman tipping in the Noah Hannafin point shot. But there just hasn't been enough of that. It wasn't only just enough of that last night. As you said, Haley, there just hasn't been enough of that all year for the Flames. Yeah, you're right. And and I think it's that consistency element as well. And we talked to uh, Peter Klein about this yesterday as well. Like, I do think yesterday's show kind of set us up pretty well for some of what we saw. And it was, you know, yes, that game against the Rangers was fun. And yes, there was a ton of stuff we saw from it. But, you know, a jumping off point or a springboard is only effective if you actually jump on the spring and, you know, <laughs> keep moving forward and moving up higher. And we've kind of seen the Flames have those really great games maybe once, maybe twice in a row. Uh, and then it's kind of a bit of a stinker. And, and sometimes a 2-1 loss can just be a 2-1 loss. However, there's 30 games left of the season, and we're still kind of doing the rinse-repeat. Yeah, that's that's the thing. You're right. You can have 2-1 games, and you can have you know, a, the different way of getting there, but this sort of fit the mold that a lot of the games have been for the Calgary Flames. It's that, you know, perimeter opportunities, struggling to score goals, really not giving up a ton, but somehow still being massively outchanced when it comes to high danger chances. It's something that people have seen all year long from this group. And coming up next for the Flames is a game on Saturday morning, early afternoon yep. against the Buffalo Sabres, 10.30 a.m., Local time or twelve thirty in Buffalo, ten thirty in Calgary. Do you like that time for a hockey game? Very quickly before we get to our guests. <laughs> I don't know if I love it or not. It's right in that brunch area. I don't a little bit later on would be perfect, but uh, we'll take it. There's only a couple of these a year, so I think we'll be okay. So that brings us to our first guest of the show uh, as we head to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline and welcome in Rob Ray. He's a former NHLer, former Sabre, and a current analyst with the Buffalo Sabres. Rob, where do we stand on the, the 12.30 puck drop on a Saturday afternoon? Oh, you got to love them. Every weekend game should be an afternoon game. And Those is that how are... you feel now? Oh, sorry, oh, Rob, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> No, I feel I felt it as a player, and I felt it uh, now doing the game. It's it's so much better, you know. Those late games on you know Saturday nights, and sometimes we've even had Sunday games that are you know seven o'clock games. It's it's too hard, and it's too hard to get the people out sometimes. So uh, I think the earlier the better. Our place is packed in afternoon games. Oh really? Is there a theme for this game in Buffalo? I should have looked this up, but is this like a a particular a theme? theme event 
just an afternoon uh, game sure on Saturday. That, other than welcome home and getting back to work after 11 days off. So that's uh, <laughs> probably the only thing I know of. I don't know. Awesome. Well, it sounds like Tage Thompson's going to be good to go for tomorrow. Rob, can you describe the impact that he has on the lineup in Buffalo? Well, you know, Tage has Tage really emerged as a leader in this group. And, you know, I think just by what he was able to do last year and, you know, people always had the question, can he follow it up, follow it up? And when they signed him to the deal last summer, I think it took a ton, a ton of pressure off Tage that he could just go play now and he didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, all the other stuff. So he he is a guy that has come from a, a player that you're questioning sometimes being in the lineup and to somebody that when he's out of the lineup, it's a totally different team. Uh, you know, when he's gone, it's, you know, he's your, your guy on the power play. He's your guy on five on five that's, you know, lugging the puck up to the neutral zone. And he just brings so much now that it, the transition in, in a year from this kid has just been, it's been great. So it's good to see. And I, I, and I think that, you know, a lot of people still think, can he keep it up? He can keep it up because he's had to figure out this year. It wasn't just the shot anymore. He's not able to just, you know, get set up for the shot all the time, except sometimes on the power play. He's had to bring something else to the game. And, and that's lugging the puck and taking it to the net. And, you know, he scores an awful lot of goals from, you know, five feet from the net because, you know, just by that extra little move, getting himself in those areas and such quick release and in tight, he's, he's been excellent at it. I feel like his star turn this season is a really obvious reminder not to judge certain NHL trades too soon, right? Because the, the early reviews on that deal with St. Louis weren't particularly good, yeah. and now it, it looks all right for the Buffalo Sabres, doesn't yeah, it? It looks really good now. And, and, you know, it's not only on trades but on players themselves. You know, a guy his size, it takes a lot longer than, a, you know, an you know, average six-foot guy that's playing, you know, a similar role. He, he has to work, learn to find the room. And, and I think the biggest thing for him is when he was moved from wing to center because he's a guy that loves to love the puck and he's got a tremendous amount of speed and he likes getting back deep in the zone, getting the puck and, and going up, uh, you know, through that neutral zone on his own. And when he was contained to the wall, there was just, there was no room for him. Like there was, he couldn't work and do what he had to do. So just that alone has opened up the ice for him, but his confidence is so high right now. It's just, you know, you're you're talking to him and and even at last year at this time, he was, he was in his mind, I think was thinking that it was kind of a fluke. And, you know, was he going to be able to do it because he he felt that pressure. Now he, he knows he can do it. And, you know, you're just seeing a much different guy, like away from, the game itself you know on the road uh, around the team he's just so much more confident than he ever was now how would you evaluate the team as a whole at this point in the season I know I saw a quote from Dylan Cousins today of him saying you know we want to make the playoffs this year that is our goal and, and it seems like that's something that the guys in that locker room believe that they can achieve I think some people might look at them and say yeah they're probably a little bit ahead of schedule but they're also a really fun team to watch, and they're. I think it's. I think it'll be really fun to track and see if they can actually make a push in the playoffs. Like, how realistic do you think that goal is for this group? I, I think it's 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 very real. Uh, I think coming into this season, uh, management, coaches, players, and that they didn't sit there and go, "Hey, it's playoffs or bust." You know, we have to make the playoffs. So I think they 
they took a realistic approach to it, and they didn't want to put the added pressure on these guys. They just wanted to let them go play. And I think that's been very good because we have not played at this point in the season in six, seven years playing meaningful games. And, you know, now they they know in the back of their – they're not sitting there going, you know, that we have to make the playoffs. It's, it's a realistic thing for them now. And the way they've played and they've continued to play it and the teams that are ahead of them, I know they got the confidence that, uh, you know, they can play with all those teams and beat them. And in my eyes, I look at Pittsburgh, I look at Washington, you know, I'm not convinced the Islanders are, are going to be able to, that there's going to be that opportunity if these guys can, can continue to play, you know, at a decent pace here. So do they believe it? Yeah, I think they 100% believe it in that group now that they can make the playoffs. And, and I think a big part of it was just taking day by day and then getting themselves to this position where they're, they're knocking on the door with games in hand and now they're getting back at it. Everybody's going to be healthy going in. So, yeah, if it, it's something that is there. It's not promoted, but it's something that uh, I know is a fact that they internally they believe that they can. We're talking to Rob Ray here on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline ahead of the Buffalo Sabres and Calgary Flames matchup on Saturday afternoon. Rob, how would you, you know, describe the way that this group plays under Don Granado? Like, what's the identity of this Sabres team that the Flames are about to see tomorrow? Uh, fast and hardworking. And no roller coaster emotion during the game. Uh, they'll play the same way from the beginning to the end, whether they're up or down. Uh, we have speed now that we haven't had in, oh my gosh, forever. Uh, you know, it was always kind of a knock on this group that they were slow, slow, and they couldn't keep up. Now they push the pace, and they want to push the pace against teams, and they want to play a fast game. The game when they're slowed down through the neutral zone and somebody's trapping them up and you know, playing the wall game all the time, they, they, they don't like and they have trouble with it. So they want to they open it up and they, they want to go. And, you know, you have to be ready for that, whether, you know, defensive zone, you know, you, these guys are going to rotate the puck, they're going to take the puck to the net. You got, you got the weapons not only up front but on the back end too that they get the puck through the net. It's not always a cannon, it's, but they get the puck through the net and they look for, you know, that net front presence goal. So... It's a challenge for a lot of teams we play in in the defensive zone. Um, You know, for us, it's the other end. Defensive zone, sometimes you get yourself in a little bit of trouble. But in the most part, they have done a good job of just keeping the puck up the ice and keeping it out of their own end. I feel like there's so many different young players that we can zero in on with this group and get into how well they've been playing and how fun they are. But I feel like after Tage Thompson, I have a big circle around someone like Rasmus Dahlin. Yeah, Darlene, you know, like on the back end, this kid's just getting better and better. And you're talking about confidence. This guy is playing with a, you know, a load of it. And he's got a little swagger now that he didn't have before. But, you know, he, if you look at him two years ago to now, he's a man now. You know, he's he's put muscle on. He's strong. He's he's physical. He's probably, our, I think he leads our team in hits. He's the most physical guy on our team. And he just loves that game. And, you know, he could play 30 minutes a night if he wanted to, but, what allows him is Sammy's from the emergence of Matias Anderson. He's been fantastic with them, and, and, you know, he's done a great job. You, you stretch it across the board. You've got guys that can play now. Uh, you know, Yoki Haru, all these guys that you're not leaning on, one or two guys, you've got, you know, four or five real bona fide guys that can carry a load and, and play in any 
situation. And, you know, they're just the big names. But you got a lot of the young guys that are just kind of feeling their way. We're, we're the youngest team in the league. And, you know, some of the Turkas and the Quins and the Krebs, these guys have had great years. They played extremely well. And so they're, they're learning how to play the game right. And I think that's the biggest thing with Donnie. He's taught the guys that you don't have to score every time you step on the ice, but you go play and you set something up for the next shift, to the next shift or leading into that shift. So, you know, he, he keeps the game plan simple and doesn't try to overload them with too much and just lets them go play on instinct. And I, and I think that's how these guys have responded. They're, they're not sitting there, you know, you don't watch them on the ice with hesitation of where am I supposed to be? Is I supposed to be? They're just going. And that hesitation was there a little bit early and it is totally eliminated. Now they're just free, free throwing. You know, they're just, they're playing free. They're, they're playing excited, happy, and they're young. They don't know the difference. You know, I don't think with mm-hmm. pressure, they just go play. It's been great to watch. They're definitely been, you know, I think the Sabres had this kind of, you know, path or storyline this season I guess you could say and the beginning of the year they have this hot start and it's kind of like oh there's no this is fun I enjoy this there's no way it's going to continue but as the season's kind of gone longer and longer everyone's like oh wait a second oh wait a second they're still here they're still here and it's been this really nice story to track and and even having a a tough stretch there seven or eight games with one little stretch that you know they they figured it out and they didn't crumble Mm -hmm. from it Uh, you know I think years past you get it seems like we've always had a really good start for the last four or five years, and then you hit that tough patch, and then you get back on it and have another one. We haven't had that second one, and I think that's been the big difference this year, that they haven't gone into that second strip of games that you know they were having trouble with. You know, I'm talking five, six, seven, eight games in a row. So they haven't allowed that to happen this year, and I think that's, that's a key. Uh, Dylan Cousins, he's locked in long-term now, seven years with a $7.1 million AAV Seems like that's a deal that has a good chance to have some value on it sooner rather than later. Uh, And seems like some good work from Kevin Adams to get his young core locked in early and often before the prices start going up. What do you make of that deal? I I love it. I I think it's great. If if you guys knew Dylan, Dylan is an A-plus person. He, He is all about the game. He's all about his team. He is a guy that offensively he's put up some good numbers this year, and has he he hasn't even hit his peak or prime or whatever you want to call it. He can still get better, and he's getting better. But he is defensively he is sound, uh, one of the probably our best penalty killer on our team. And what I like about Dylan, it's like not just get the puck, throw it away, and get it down the ice on a penalty. He takes it. He tries to make something happen every time he touches the puck. Um, he's been playing with Paterka and Quinn two of our youngest guys on our team this year, and he's still putting up career numbers, and he's helping them, those guys along the way. They've been fantastic. So, you know, as a leader, he's great. As a person, awesome. And he's not even close to what he's going to be in the NHL consistently. He's got a long ways to go, and he's good now. The Sabres, you know, provide a pretty interesting case study at the trade deadline, right? Because this is a team that might be – ahead of their schedule and we know that kevin adams has said he's not going to make a deal just for the sake of making a deal he's not going to rush their internal timeline so knowing all that but also knowing where they're at in the standings and the fact that they could make the playoffs and that's the goal how do you think the sabers should handle the march 3rd trade deadline 
I, I don't think unless Kevin can find somebody that is going to be here for the next four or five years that would fit into his group and that he knows that, uh, you know, down the road they'd be, they'd be looking at anyways, then I don't think they, they do much. Um, the older guys you have on the team, Gergensen's and Oposo, I think they're both on their last year of their deals. I think they've got enough respect within the organization with Kevin and the coaches that they would let those guys, unless they wanted to go somewhere else, then, you know, they'd let it play out and, and just, you know, have them have their chance to maybe possibly finish up here. Craig Anderson's another one. Um, they, they're, they're so highly respected amongst the group and such a big part of, not so much the on ice, but the off ice, the way these kids are growing and learning that, you know, I don't think Kevin really wants to mess with it. And I don't think he should, uh, you know, financially they're in a good spot contracts that they're signing, even these kids long-term, they're going to be really good down the road. So he's done a really good job that way, but I don't think he's going to go press the, the panic button or the button to try to, Oh, we got to get over the top. I think that he's got all the confidence in the world and the group he's got. And if guys have to walk at the end of the year, then then so be it. I, I think he would get more out of them being around this group and continue doing what they're doing than they would, uh, you know, to move them on. So I, I think it's a, it's not going to be much of anything. Could you see the Sabers being one of the you know quote unquote power brokers at the deadline? Given there's so many teams who are capped out and so many players with high cap hits that could potentially be on the move sabers have a lot of cap space i know this isn't something they've typically done in the past but do you think they could be kind of the third team that you know weaponizes that cap space to get a couple of draft picks just by retaining some salary for another team um yeah i I don't know about the draft picks for for our group because we we've got a number of guys now that are all and it's almost like you got to try to find a way to fit some of them in that, you know, are you looking at that? We, we have the depth now uh, within you know, our team and in Rochester that I don't think it's we're at, we're beyond the point of, hey, having to stockpile draft picks to try to build the team. Mm-hmm. I think he's, right. he'd be more willing to look at something, you know, that would be long term. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the way he would look at it. To, you know, they've done the take on, you know, contracts just to, for cap space. What do we got? Um, I can't even remember who they took in the summer um, goaltender that was in Dallas. So they got those guys on the books. So it's right. It's already yeah, they've there. got Ben Bishop. Yeah, Ben Bishop. Sorry. So I don't, I don't, can't see Kevin doing that because it's taken him so long to get the cap under control because it was mm-hmm. such a mess from the previous regimes that I'm, I'm not thinking that he wants to get himself in that position again. All right. Great point. Um, all right. Are you a, are you a football fan, Rob? We were talking about the Super yeah, Bowl like prop football, bets and yeah, stuff before. It's kind of hard not to <laughs> living in Buffalo here. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably been a fun now. year. Maybe not so much we're right secondary. now. Finally, people are talking about the Sabers now. The Bills are done, so they're finally they know they got a second team in town here. So you're you're getting the attention now. <laughs> That's great. Who do you think brings a championship to Buffalo sooner? Is it Josh Allen and the Bills or Tage Thompson and the Sabres? I'm going to go with the Sabres. Ooh. Yeah. I, I I had that conversation with a couple Toronto fans yesterday that I think we're guaranteed we got it before the Leafs. <laughs> and that doesn't go over very well, but it's 
No, okay. I, I, I don't. I think, <laughs> I think football is very tough. You know, there's so many guys. They've got so many free agents here now. Yeah, they've got a great quarterback, but it's hard to keep those groups together. And it's extremely hard, um, you know, because the more success, the more money guys are getting, and they're looking to go other places. I think right now by Kevin with what he's done in his management group, they've done a good job of keeping that core together, as you said. And they're all young, and they're all got a long ways to go. So, I, you know, if the right moves are done, I think, you know, the Sabres got a really good chance here in the next few years. All right. Great stuff, Rob. Thank you so much for the time, and enjoy the early start tomorrow. Uh, it's not that early here, guys. When you get old, you're up early in the morning anyway, so you might better get up and do something. Uh, I'm awake before noon, to be clear. Yeah, It's not yeah, too early great. for me. I'm, I'll be awake. <laughs> I've had my first nap by noon. <laughs> Good stuff. We love that. Thanks, Rob. All right, guys. Take care. Have a wonderful night. You too. There goes Rob Ray, former NHLer, former Buffalo Sabre, and current Sabres analyst. He joined us there on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. The Guest Hotline is brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Using the same secret recipe since 1975, you can dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast or have takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. The Sabres are a very interesting team to track at the deadline. Even if they don't end up doing anything, I'll be curious to see if there is something a little bit longer term for them. I know Jacob Chikrin could maybe help out on the blue line, but he's going to cost a lot. And I don't know if the Sabres are a team that should be giving up what it might cost to acquire somebody like Jacob Chikrin, but they definitely have the cap space and they've got the assets to do something if they want to. A couple things that we learned from Rob, you know, just to keep an eye on for this matchup tomorrow. Uh, The Sabres work hard. They're fast. The Flames are going to really need to try to slow some of those guys down in the neutral zone. Rasmus Dahlin, Tage Thompson, who's going to be back in the lineup. That's going to be a pretty big key to the game for the Calgary Flames. Slow those guys down through the neutral zone. Don't let them into the O zone easily because we know they've got the skill to go to work once they're in the offensive zone. All right, we're going to go to a break, and coming up next, we're going to talk to Arthur Staple. He is the New York Rangers beat writer at The Athletic. We're going to get a little bit into the Vladimir Tarasenko deal from yesterday, what it means for the Rangers. We heard from Patrick Kane today. He was a little bit... He didn't love the deal. So we'll talk to that. We'll talk about that with Arthur Staple coming up next on Hockey Central and Sports at 960 The Fan. You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right. Welcome back. It's the final segment of the week here on Hockey Central on Sports at 960 The Fan. Yesterday, we broke down the Rangers-St. Louis Blues trade. Uh, The Rangers acquired Vladimir Tarasenko and Nico Mikola from the Blues in exchange for a conditional first in 2023, a conditional fourth in 2024, Sammy Blay and Hunter Skinner. Uh, It sounds like, it looks like, Tarasenko and Mikola are going to make their debuts with the Rangers tonight against the Seattle Kraken so with that we're going to head back to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline and bring in our second guest it's Arthur Staple he covers the New York Rangers for the Athletic Arthur thank you first and foremost uh, to you and the New York Rangers for giving us something to talk about during the NBA trade deadline yesterday 
my pleasure. It was really, it was all me, I think, Kaylee, that, uh, that made this happen. But uh, no, it was, it was good <laughs> that they, uh, they pulled the trigger on this. It uh, seemed like it was something that was a possibility in the, in the few days before. And uh, the Rangers kind of had their, had their pick of uh, looking for a top six or a top line right wing. You know, Patrick Kane was a possibility. And boy, did he sound sore about not being the guy mm-hmm. that got picked today out in Chicago, but it was Tarasenko. And I think the addition of, of Mikola to be their third pair left side D-man really was the thing that, that helped cinch it for the Rangers, that they got they filled two of their needs in, in one fell swoop. And, and really, you look at what they gave up, it was really basically a, a late first-round pick, uh, you know, with some other smaller pieces to it to make the money work and, and you know, give a, a contract over and an AHL defenseman. So uh, a good bit of business for Chris Drury and I think there's a lot of excitement around here for having Tarasenko on this team now. Yeah, and I think it was an interesting deal because it it obviously kind of checked a box for the Rangers. Seems like they've been changing their lines, particularly in their top nine quite a bit, trying to find the right mix, trying to strike the right balance. So it looks like a good deal for the Rangers, but it wasn't exactly bad for the St. Louis Blues either. It seemed like just pretty it was a good good deal between both sides. We haven't maybe you haven't seen one like that in a while. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think uh, you, you kind of say, well, uh, it's clear why the Rangers want to do it now to get their, you know, get the guy in their lineup for an extra 10 or 11 games before the deadline to see what they have, get him acclimated and see where he sits. But for the Blues, maybe doing it now kind of tells you that uh, there weren't going to be a lot of options for them to trade this guy. He had a, a no-trade clause, and the Rangers were a place he's willing to go. Um so getting that first-round pick, having to put in, one, you know, their the, kind of their top D uh, trade chip and Mikola too, it just kind of says, that, you know, the, I think the Blues know where they're at and uh, they're ready to they're ready to make some deals. Uh, you know, they've, they've got a pretty long list of guys that are going to be attractive. I would guess Ivan Barbashev is probably the next guy up, and maybe Ryan O'Reilly, definitely Noel Chari. So. Good on Doug Armstrong for, for getting out ahead of it and realizing that maybe, you know, this wasn't a situation where you hold on to the guy. The, get, the closer you get to March 3rd and you'll get a little bit more, you'll have a few more teams involved. This, it seemed like the Rangers had an offer that was palatable and there weren't a whole lot, it wasn't going to be a whole lot else uh, available to them as they got closer to the deadline. And now what about Vladimir Tarasenko made him the right fit for the Rangers, Arthur? Well, like I said, right wing one has been uh, a problem spot for them for a long time. They've tried a lot of different guys there. You know, the, uh, Jimmy VC was occupying that spot for the last few games with uh, Atomi Panarin and, and Mika Zibanejad. And VC's not a bad player, but is he kind of that elite top line right wing that you need? No. And, and Vladimir Tarasenko has been that guy throughout his career. This year, he's, you know, a little stymied by injury, but he's still got 29 points in 38 games for a team that's well out of the playoffs. So you know that he can still produce. Uh, and really, you know, the, the intriguing thing is is adding a, a guy who's done a lot on the power play throughout his career in Tarasenko. And the Rangers have one of the more fearsome lineups on their top power play unit. Um, you know, and they're trying to juggle some things around now that they've got Tarasenko. They really they really accentuated the group with Adam Fox and Panarin and Zibanejad. Chris Kreider had 26 power play goals last year. Vincent Trocek in the bumper spot. And that group hasn't changed at all this year. Uh, and they tend to eat up a lot of the time on each power play. They stay out there routinely for 90 seconds or so. Uh, and now Tarasenko is going to start on power play two, it seems like. Um, that's probably subject to change. I would imagine that he's a guy who probably wants some power play one minute. And I would imagine that the Rangers are going to start to make it a little bit more equitable between their two units. So 
that could create some change, whether it's good or bad. The power play has been kind of so-so this year, 16th, I believe, in the league. So, um, at, you know, at five-on-five, five, it's very clear where Tarasenko belongs for the time being. And the power play, we'll see where it, where he ends up landing in a few weeks. But, uh, but for now, it's a lot of options for Gerard Gallant to try to figure out. It seems like there's reason to be optimistic or even excited if you're a Rangers fan of the idea of a top line with Artemi Panera and Mika Zibanejad and Vladimir Tarasenko. I mean, you mentioned that he hasn't, you know, quite had the same production this year, but this is a guy who scored 34 goals last year, and now he's going to go right next to two, you know, elite players and, and a guy in Panera who can pass the puck better than better than a lot of people in the league. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it's definitely kind of puts uh, puts their their forward lines in spots where they really want to be. They've got Tarasenko up there. It drops VC down. I think their fourth line tonight is going to be VC Barkley, Goodrow, and Julian Gauthier, which is probably their ideal fourth line. And they've really been trying to been struggling to find uh, a fit, a consistent fit there. You're going to see Chris Kreider and Vincent Trocek skating with Vitaly Krausov tonight, and then their kid line that's really probably been their best line in the last couple of weeks, Phil Kittle between Capocacco and Alexi Lafreniere. Uh, this is this is really a potent four-line group. You know, they've obviously had the big names and the big scorers for the last couple of years, but I think now this is as as you know four-line deep as they've been in a long, long time. And uh, you know, it's better to get started now. Like I said, a few games ahead of the deadline to figure out where the piece is best fit. Uh, 31 games left to go for them. That's uh, that should be enough time for the coaching staff to figure out what works best. And and for now, uh, you know, I think a lot of teams are looking at this Rangers so you mentioned Patrick Kane uh, earlier in this chat Arthur he did not seem particularly happy uh, he said it's not the happiest I've been to hear about a trade if things are going to happen meaning him being traded out of Chicago for those who are tracking that was a team I was definitely looking at he said it seems like they kind of filled their void and went ahead and made a deal. Why do you think the Rangers went ahead and went for someone like Tarasenko? And do you think that Patrick Kane was actually a realistic uh, trade target for the Rangers at some point? Um, I'm sure that he was, especially because much like Tarasenko, Kane holds the cards for where he's going to go with a no-move clause from Chicago. Um, You know, I think there's obviously been some talk about Patrick Kane's hip. He's playing through something that I've heard he definitely needs surgery on, whether it's now or in the offseason. Um, it's not something you can put off to the end of your career. Uh, so it's definitely hampered him a bit, and I think it's quite well known. Uh, he certainly sounded like it was he was unhappy that that word had gotten out, but uh, um, it seems pretty clear that the Rangers were aware that this was, gonna, this was an issue for him. And, uh, you know, I suppose if they had struck out on Tarasenko, if they had struck out on any of their other top nine potentials and they're, sit- they're sitting there close to the deadline or on deadline day uh, and Patrick Kane is still an option and you can get him for, say, a second-round pick and maybe a low-level prospect, kind of that Taylor Hall type deal, then I'm sure the Rangers would have been interested because even 75% Patrick Kane is probably a help to them in their lineup, especially because mm-hmm. of the, the special connection he's had with Artemi Panarin when they were both with Chicago. So... Um, I'm sure he was on their minds. I don't know if he was front of mind the way that they, the way that they, they, the way that Tarasenko was. Um, and now I think that does remove a pretty big option. And I do have to wonder if Kane isn't, you know, if that's the place, this is the place that he really wanted to go. Will he shut it down and have the surgery and kind of kick that, 
decision about where to go next for the, for the summer and to free agency, or will he try to play through it and find a few other options, whether it's, you know, I, I've heard he'd love to go to Toronto. I don't know if they have room for him or an interest in him. Dallas, I know, has been interested. So uh, there's going to be some options for him if he decides to play through it. But if the Rangers was his one and only choice, then I guess it does seem like he's out of luck right now. Um, my So my dad lives in Ontario, Arthur, and he calls me almost every day. Hey, what are you hearing about Patrick Kane? Do you think he could go to the Maple Leafs? Dad, I don't know. But now I'll, I'll tell him. I'll tell him what you've shared you with us today. <laughs> what do you think comes next for the Rangers, Arthur? You know, I assume this closes the deal on a potential Patrick Kane acquisition. Um, but do they have the room or the desire to do anything else outside of that forward group or the top six? You know, I think there's, an, there's a chance maybe they'd go for someone uh, to kind of bolster their bottom six. Uh, Vitaly Krasov has been a healthy scratch for the last couple. They're going to get him back in tonight, see what he can do uh, on the second, third line, the second line with Trocek and Kreider. Uh, but he's been kind of up and down, and, and I wonder if they'd rather have someone a little bit more dependable at, the, uh, at, at both ends of the ice uh, as their 12th or 13th forward. Like I said, they're really, you know, their fourth line, if they can have a situation where their fourth line has either Barkley Goodrow or Jimmy Vc or like tonight, both of them, I think that makes Gerard Gallant and Chris Drury very happy that they've got some dependable guys down there. Um, but I think other than that, they really feel like this is the group. You know, they do, they they put Libor Hayek on waivers, so they're down to, back down to, to 22 on their roster. So they're going to be able to pick up some more cap space as we get towards the deadline. So they have some options in case somebody gets hurt or if something happens where they want to try to upgrade uh, the bottom six or maybe the fourth line get kind of as they did last year at the deadline beyond Andrew Kopp and Frank Petrano where they added Tyler Mott. Um, you know, he's a guy who's in Ottawa right now. He's a guy that the Rangers love to have. It just kind of priced himself out with what he was looking for in a short-term deal. Um, so someone like that maybe could, could fit for them uh, as, a, as a 12, 13 forward for uh, for the stretch drive in the playoffs. But I think they want to see what they have with, they, with what they've got right now because they probably feel like everybody's in the right spot. What do you make of the way that the Eastern Conference playoff race is kind of shaping up? Because it seems like we're getting a little bit of an arms race brewing. You know, the Rangers at Tarasenko, Islanders at Bo Horvat. They're not in the playoffs, but they're somewhat within striking distance of a, you know, they're going to play meaningful games, I think, to try to get into the wild card. And, and we know that the New Jersey Devils might do something. It seems like uh, the East and the, the Metropolitan Division specifically is going to be pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, it, it already is. It's, it, it, it feels like the Rangers, I think they're 18-4-3 and three in their last 25, and they barely gained any ground because – the Devils have stabilized themselves after a bit of a dip, and Carolina just never loses. Or at least they never get out of a game with less than a point. So um, those three teams seem like they're pretty destined for the top three spots. And obviously the top three spots in the Atlantic seem pretty set. Boston is running away with things, and Toronto looks like Toronto does, and, and Tampa's not going to fall out of it. So uh, it is going to be an interesting wild card race. But I think for the Rangers, they're kind of feeling like they're they're looking up and they're trying to figure out, is it going to be Carolina? Is it going to be Jersey? How do they match up with those those two teams? They obviously have the win over Carolina in the second round from last year uh, to kind of hang their hats on. And Jersey hasn't been to the playoffs in a long time. So uh, I think they feel like they, they'll be okay. Uh, you know, those two teams have been really good this year. But And I'm still, like you said, 
Jersey. I'm sure both of them are going to make some additions before the trade deadline, whether it's a big name like Timo Meyer or just a couple of smaller additions we'll have to see. But, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it does feel like this year the, the, the championship pedigree runs through the East. And, and uh, if, if you're the team to get out of the East or at least get through a couple of rounds, that's, uh, that's going to feel like a pretty big accomplishment. So uh, the Rangers are know that they're maybe not going to finish with get at home ice advantage just the way the other two teams are playing. But uh, I don't know that they care too much with the fact that they feel like they've got a team that can measure up with anybody. And Igor Shesterkin's been, you know, he had a little bit of a slower start relative to last season, but, you know, I don't think anybody's worried about that guy between the pipes. <laughs> no, no. And I think the best thing that the Rangers have going for them now is that Shesterkin, uh, after kind of a slow start, looks more and more like the guy who ran away with the bet in the last year. Uh, if he's not playing to that out, uh, you know, otherworldly level, it's, that's going to, that's hard to do two years in a row, but he's playing very well for them. And, uh, and, and just as important for the regular season standing, Garrison Palak has really been playing well. I think he's won six games in a row since his last six starts. His save percentage is up around 907 now, a little bit above the league average. So I think they feel like uh, they're pretty well set in goal. They, they, they can go, uh, you know, if they're going into, they feel like they're going into the playoffs down the road, uh, whether it's against Jersey, against Carolina, even maybe feeling that way against Boston, as hot as Boston is. They feel like they have the best goalie in any of those matchups. So that's probably uh, a pretty good feeling to have. Uh, and knowing what Shisterkin was able to do last season and been doing a lot this season, uh, that's something that can get into McCullough's hands over the course of the seven-game series. All right, lots of stuff there. And uh, the Rangers and the Kraken facing off at MSG tonight at 7 o'clock. Enjoy the game, Arthur. Thanks for this. You got it, Haley. Anytime, thanks. All right. There goes Arthur Staple. He is the New York Rangers reporter with the Athletic Vladimir Tarasenko and Nico Mikla recently acquired from the St. Louis Blues are expected to make their Rangers debuts again in this game at MSG tonight against the Seattle Kraken. Puck drop is at 7 o'clock Eastern if you're interested in watching that from Calgary. It's the only game on the schedule tonight. Oh, that's a lie. There's way more games on the schedule tonight. (laughs) I just can't read. Anyways. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this edition of Hockey Central here on Sportsnet 960. That's all the time that we have for today. A couple things to keep an eye on. Again, tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m., the Calgary Flames taking on the Buffalo Sabres. Slow down the neutral zone. That's our buzzword. That's what we learned from our chat with Rob Ray, former NHL or current Sabres analyst. He was our other guest on the show. Thank you to Rob. Thank you to Arthur. Thank you to Logan, Cam, and Taylor for producing the show, chatting on the show. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week on Hockey Central and Sports at 960 The Fan.